You're listening to the Riverwalk, the preaching ministry of Beth River Baptist Church in Winsboro, Louisiana. Today, we are going to continue our series on Galatians. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Galatians is such a wonderful book, and I want to keep going through it. And really, like I said last week, the whole theme of this whole book, I believe Paul wrote it so perfectly, is at the end of the book. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, when he reminded them, Do not be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will reap of the Spirit everlasting life. So let us give a review of last week. Last week, you can see in Galatians chapter 1 that anyone and everyone can be deceived. Deceived, excuse me. These Galatian churches were falling for false gospels just like today. And Paul, whenever he wrote them, Paul, the apostle, reminded them of who he was, why he could be trusted, why he was preaching the gospel and not to them, why he was preaching things that may hurt their feelings. Something we all should aspire for. He wrote them and he asked the question, am I trying to please you or am I trying to please God? And he went on and he reminded them of his past and he reminded them of where he went and why he went. But the question is that we're going to try to answer today and maybe even in the next couple of weeks is what exactly, what, what exactly they were falling for. What exactly... What was the false gospel they were falling for? And today, you're going to see a little bit of that, what he referred to as a perverted gospel in chapter 1. And you're going to see exactly what they were falling for. And I hope you leave here today, I hope you leave here today confident that your life is not communicating anything but a true gospel and not a perverted gospel. So we'll pick it up in Galatians chapter 2. We'll pick it up in verse 3, the first two verses. He reminds them, continuing where he came from and how many years he spent spreading the gospel and who he had with him. And in verse 3, you see one of the men with him was Titus. And he says, Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And this be- occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seem to be something added nothing to me. But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. So Paul's here for just a second. You see Paul explaining what had happened and what was going on. Peter had agreed to go and spread the gospel amongst the Jews, and Paul had agreed to go and spread the gospel among the Gentiles, those like us. This is two very different people groups. This is like 
a group of Republicans and a group of Democrats. But the gospel needs to go forward regardless. And they thought it was a good idea that Paul goes and reach, reaches this people group, the Gentiles, and Peter goes and reaches this people group, the Jews. Okay, but something had happened here. These false brethren came in at night and were spreading false doctrines. And, you know, people were eager to listen to it. And then it gets really interesting here in verse 11. Really, really interesting. In verse 11, it says, Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face, because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with them, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? We, because Paul was a Jew as well, we who are Jews by natures and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, for by the works of the law no flesh shall be justified. But if, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. So I hope you can see here, I hope you can see a little bit, just a little bit of the false gospel that was going on. There was two, two groups here, and this was really the heart of the problem. The heart of the problem, preferential treatment and prejudice. Many, many here had a Jewish background. So they wanted to stay with what was familiar to them. They were familiar with the Old Testament law. They were familiar with Old Testament traditions. So much so that Titus, who wasn't even a Jew, said, Hey, I like what, I like what you guys are doing, and it makes sense to me. It makes sense to go by these Old Testament rules. So he and Titus, Titus says that, or Paul says that Titus was compelled to go along with them. And why did this happen? What happened here? Remember, they didn't have a New Testament. So all they had to go on was the words of others. So some of the words of others, why this was happening, and it says it in verse 4, And this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in, who came in by stealth to spout our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. So people come in. People come in and they tell you things that sound good. They tell you things that make sense even. But guess what? Paul did not yield and Paul did not fall for it. In verse 5, he says plainly, To whom we did not yield submission, even for an hour. 
that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. See, for Paul, more important than tradition, more important than this people group or that people group, the most important thing for Paul was the gospel. The most important thing there was was what Jesus did for him and what he did for everybody else. They were not stealing Paul's liberty. And I almost get a sense of anger in Paul's voice. I get a sense of just frustration that he, like he said in verse 1, I just can't believe it. I can't believe that you know all this and that you guys were falling for this. So how does this apply today? How does this apply today? Well, really, for us today in 2021, the question we have to ask ourselves is what am I doing or what are you doing that may be a hindrance to the gospel? The question I'll begin with is what would Paul say to you today? What would Paul say to Kevin Goodman today? What would Paul say to Beth River Baptist Church today? Would he be pleased or would he be troubled? Would he be happy or would he be angry? See, I see three things or three or four things that I see happening here in this passage that I see happening a lot, even amongst Baptist churches. So here's one thing that's happened. Tradition, traditionalism. Now, I want you to understand something. Tradition isn't always a bad thing. It's not. We have some very good traditions, some very wonderful traditions. Like the song Trisha does song. I've got precious memories of a lot of tradition. But tradition can be a hindrance to the gospel if we're not careful. You know what I believe the five or six most dangerous words a church leader can say? I really believe it. It's we've always done it this way. We've always done it this way. It's just tradition. And many times we don't even know why we've always done it this way, but we've always done it this way, so we can't change this way. I'm reminded of a story. It's a Mother's Day story. I'll share it early. But I'm reminded of a story. A, a young girl was watching her mom prepare a roast. And she watched her mom take the roast out and she cut each end off of it just perfectly. She said, Mom, why are you doing that? Her mom said, well, that's how I was taught by my mom. So she went to her mom, the grandmother. Mom, why, when, you, when we were little, why did you take the roast and cut both ends off of it? Her response was, well, my mom always did it that way. So she went to her mom, who's in the nursing home, very elderly, the great-grandmother. Mom, might be a silly question, but when I was little, when you prepared those roasts that you did such a good job of, why did you cut both ends off of that roast? She said, oh, honey, our oven was too small. <laughs> so this whole time carrying on a tradition that she had no idea why she was doing it was really just silly. She was wasting that perfectly good meat. Listen, church, sometimes it's good to break tradition. Jesus broke tradition. Jesus did things like healing on the Sabbath day. Jesus did things like hanging out with sinners. And Jesus did things like talking to Samaritans when nobody else would. Jesus broke tradition. The gospel and Jesus, what Paul was saying here, triumphs tradition. We're called to follow Jesus, not tradition. Let me tell you something. Things look different when we follow Jesus and not tradition. You should be coming to church out of a love for Je Jesus and not out of habit. Guess what? When you're coming to church out of a love for Jesus and not out of habit, a little bit of rain ain't going to stop you. When you're coming to church out of a love for Jesus, a little bit of wind, a little bit of ice, ain't nothing going to stop you because you're coming because you love Jesus. Guess what? 
It's pretty easy to break habit when things get inconvenient. Man, how different it looks when our worship service, when we're singing for Jesus and not John Horn. I love you, Brother John. But guess what? When I sing, I sing for Jesus, not John Horn. And I sing loud. I sing proud. And guess what? I don't even care what the person next to me sounds like because my focus is on Jesus where it should be. And that's what Paul was saying here. When we serve, when we serve in the church, when we serve the body of Christ, we should be serving for Jesus, not the pastor, not Beth River Baptist Church, but serving for Jesus. When you serve for Jesus, when you serve like Jesus, everything changes. Because remember, Jesus bent down and washed the feet of the very man that would betray a man. How much service looks different when we serve for Jesus? Think about tradition. You that are farmers in here, if you were still farming the same way your grandparents did, how would that work out? Christ calls us to break tradition. Christ calls us to get out of our comfort zone. Christ calls us to sometimes think differently. Let me give you a few examples. You know, traditionally, tradition that that I would be happy to break. Traditionally, for some reason, I have absolutely no idea to rise, kind of like the, the Rose story. Traditionally, only women teach vacation Bible school. Well, maybe God's calling some of you men to break tradition. Guess what, man? We did a pretty good job this week. I think we've done okay. If that's the case, break it. If God's calling you to help in vacation Bible school, it doesn't have to be a young lady. It can be an old man. Break tradition. That's fine. We're all, bab- we're all Baptists here. Let's talk about this. Traditionally, only the pastor baptizes people, and I'm happy to do it. I love to do it. Well, maybe if you lead somebody to Christ, maybe you'd like to do that. Maybe you'd like to baptize your son or your daughter. Tradition, I'm more than happy to break. Traditionally, we only have baptisms on Sunday morning. Well, just maybe, maybe one Wednesday night we can have a baptism for the river kids that can only come on Wednesday night. Tradition, I'm happy to break. Traditionally, traditionally we, we usually only baptize members. Well, you know what? I'm happy to break that one as well. Maybe somebody's from out of state and they're ready to get baptized and get into ministry. I'm happy to break that one as well. I'll baptize you and you can go serve somewhere else wherever Jesus leads. No tradition should, should triumph the gospel. And listen, we've got great traditions and I, I don't mind most of them. But if we're not careful... If we're not careful, it can happen just like it happened here. Tradition can become an idol. And that's what Paul was dealing with here. But not only tradition, not only tradition, there was something else going on here that that we don't like to talk about. But this is what was happening. Personal prejudices was hindering the gospel. Peter's prejudices was a problem. It was a very big problem, so much so So much so that the Apostle Paul stood up in front of everybody and called him out on it. Look in verse 11 through 14. It says, Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. Before certain men, before James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he got away from the Gentiles because he was scared of the Jews. 
And the rest of the Jews went with him because Peter is a leader and it looks good. And there's a whole nother message on that. When leaders don't lead or when leaders lead the wrong way, people follow them because they're leaders. Then in verse 14, it says, when I saw that they were not straightforward about the gospel, I said to Peter before them all. Can you just imagine Paul calling out Peter, the man that walked and talked with Jesus and Paul, who used to persecute Christians, He's going to come along and he's going to confront Peter, rightly so. He said, if you are a Jew living like the Gentiles and you know the gospel and you believe Jesus loves everybody equally, why are you asking the Gentiles to live as Jews? You're being a hypocrite. It makes no sense. I don't understand why you're doing it. And this is why Paul was doing it. And that's because prejudices hinder the gospel. And whether you realize it or not, Every person in here represents the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now look, prejudices come in all shapes, forms, and fashions. It doesn't mean racism necessarily. Of course it can. But it could mean how you treat a Republican versus how you treat a Democrat. It could mean how you treat a young person versus how you treat an old person. It could mean how you treat a poor person versus how you treat a rich person. It could mean how you treat a tattooed person versus how you treat somebody in a business suit. Prejudice comes in all shapes, forms, and fashions. And church, I want to tell you, if you know the gospel, if you believe the gospel, whoever walks through the doors on Sunday morning should be greeted just like Jesus would greet them. Any race, any appearance, any financial condition, any current condition, any previous condition, they should be treated just like Jesus treated the woman at the well who was living with the man who wasn't her husband that had seven husbands before her, however many it was. Go back to Galatians 6, 7. Don't be deceived. It's so easy to do so. It's so easy to treat people different. But if you know the gospel and you love Jesus and you want to follow Jesus and you want to live like Jesus, when we treat people different, we harm the gospel. And you even see it mentioned up in verse 6. He says, but, but some seem to be something, whoever they were. It makes no difference to me. Because God shows personal favoritism towards no man. And listen, that's not Brother Kevin talking. It's right here in black and white. The life you live communicates the gospel. God expects better of us than most of us give him, including myself. God expects his children to be uniners rather than dividers. He expects Christians to live like Christ. The life you live communicates the gospel, and God expects better of us. But let's just be honest here. Let's just be completely, totally, 100% honest with one another. That's hard. I mean, that is so very hard to do. We live in such a polarizing society. Politicians are trying everything they can, Democrats and Republicans too. I mean, let's call it like it is. The Republicans want the black vote. The Democrats want the Christian vote. They're trying everything they can to bring people together. And no matter what they do, people are more polarized than ever before. 
You've got Black Lives Matter in the street. You've got this group. You've got the rainbow flag. Everybody is doing everything they can. Pastors are pleading for unity in the congregation, and it's not happened. And I want to tell you, church, I really want to tell you, put yourself in Paul's shoes. This wasn't easy for him either. You know his background. Paul called himself a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Paul was the man that used to, to consenting to death of Christians. Can you imagine? This wasn't easy for Paul. So where does it come from? How can I love others like myself? How in the world can I break this mold? And I think Paul gives just a perfect answer in verse 20. Verse 20, Paul says, basically, I can do this because I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer me. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. God who loved me and gave himself for me. It doesn't matter. It does not come. This kind of unity, this kind of love, this kind of true love, it does not come from the, true, the social justice warriors in Washington, D.C. It doesn't come from political groups. It doesn't come from a president. It doesn't come from Pride Month or a rainbow flag. It just does not do it. It comes through the love of Christ. And Paul was able to overcome that because he had been cruci crucified with Christ. My life's not my own anymore. The minute I gave my heart to Jesus, listen, everything didn't go away. I still had temptations. I still had things from the past. But from that minute, my life's not my own anymore. I can love others because I know how Christ loved me. What a beautiful verse. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What a beautiful verse. Let's go one more thing, one more thing. And here's the truth. And this is really another heresy they were dealing with, really. They were trying to say that, hey, you can be righteous by, by being of the circumcision, by doing all these Old Testament laws. And if you want to read ahead for next week, you can read in Galatians 3 about why is the law even there. But we deal with this today, too. If righteousness comes through anything besides the gospel... It's like saying Christ died in vain. And you might be here this morning. You might be a faithful church member. You may be the least racial person ever. You may read this and say, boy, I'm doing a really good job with that. You may be here and, and you might meet every single requirement in the world. But righteousness, salvation comes through Jesus Christ alone. And Paul knew that too. He writes in verse 21, I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness comes through the law, if it comes from things I can do, well, then Jesus died in vain. If I can make myself perfect, well, then Jesus would have had no reason to come for me. Righteousness, if righteousness is attained by tradition, then Jesus died in vain. If, if righteousness is obtained by a certain method of baptism, by saying something when you come out of the baptistry or this way or that way, or by a method of works, by reading your Bible in a year, if righteousness is obtained that way, well, then Jesus died in vain. 
If righteousness is obtained by being an outstanding citizen and never being arrested and being a good taxpayer and doing everything right and standing up for for the poor and doing all that stuff, if righteousness comes that way, well, Jesus died in vain. He wouldn't have had to come if you could be good enough. Church, our gospel, our good news, the true gospel is a gospel of grace. And it's not just for some. It's not just for the Jews. It's not just for the Gentiles. It's for everyone. It's not just for the Republicans. It's not just for the Democrats. It's for everyone. It's not for just the ones who look like and talk like us, but for everyone. If not, if not, then Jesus died in vain. There's no other way about that. If if it's not for everyone, then, then Jesus didn't die for anyone. I want you to take a moment and I want you to think about all the problems going on in our world today. All the division, all the prejudices, all the racism and all that stuff. And they're all looking for a way to solve it. And right here in the Bible, we have an answer. It's not found in me. It's not found in the Southern Baptist Convention. It's found through Jesus. Paul said it's not even found through me. It's found through Jesus So let's close this morning by asking these questions. Like verse 21, like Paul said, have you been crucified with Christ? Or are you believing in a doctrine, in a Christ who died for no reason at all? And one last question. If the Apostle Paul could be here this morning. And remember... I love this scripture because it's something we don't usually see in scripture. It's a believer going against a believer. Paul calling out Peter to his face in front of everybody else. And I've got to ask myself this question. If the apostle Paul walked in the doors of this church this morning, what would Paul say to brother Kevin in front of all of you? What would Paul say to you in front of all of us? Thanks for listening to the message today. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you understood it. And I hope your life is a stepping stone to the gospel and not a stumbling block. Have a great week. Remember, Wednesday Words of Wisdom comes out on our YouTube channel every Wednesday at 6 a.m. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed.